0: yes people what's happening and welcome to the frankie allen podcast hosted by myself will cranny alongside the uk's most feared comedian frankie allen Frank, That's me, today.
1: frankie allen uk's most feared comedian had a great day today out early went up to kirby met a mate of mine had a lovely breakfast and uh, very enjoyable day because uh it was a big bin bin van bin wagon coming down uh, the main road in the kirby town center and they stopped Beat the horn, this guy jumped out. And uh, Frankie, said, can I have a picture? So a photograph of these lads off the bins. A bit of a buzz, it was great, yeah.
0: Nice one, nice one. Have A bit of been, recognition. I was laughing with Frankie, same thing happened to me yesterday. And the same thing happened to our support comedian and one of our mates yesterday. So this must be fucking flying, I don't know what's going on at the moment. But bathroom guy comes to my house yesterday. And I open the door and I was like, what's happening mate, I'm Will, nice to meet you. And he goes, I, I know you are mate, I-, I follow you on Facebook with your dad. I was buzzing. <laughs>
1: I was absolutely made up, but uh,
0: yeah, it gets a bit weird, doesn't it? It does feel weird. Like. It
1: feels a bit strange. I've never kind of been used to it. I mean, I've had a, obviously, I've had it before, but it seems to have gone like twice as many people. Now I got asked for a photograph in JD Sports last week and <laughs> yeah. different places, shops and whatever, people beeping the horn. So it can get on your nerves sometimes, but fucking hell, you know, Famous, what can you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kilver was saying
0: to me, he watches this Comedians in Cars thing with Jerry Seinfeld. Have you ever watched it? No, no. Jerry Seinfeld's like a huge comedian, isn't he?
1: He's the richest comedian in the world. Is he, yeah?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was you.
1: No, not me. I haven't got a penny. I haven't earned a penny since March. <laughs> anyway, Jerry Seinfeld
0: takes these fellas around in cars. Yeah. And he said he was interviewing this guy called Zach Galifianakis. Now, he's in a lot of films. I've seen him, yeah. Yeah, I've seen him. I think he's in The Hangover. Greek American, yeah. In, in The Hangover and a few others. And he said... Zach Galifianakis said, I hate it when people ask me for a photograph. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything worse. It does me head in. Why do they have to ask for a photograph? And Jerry Sanford said to him, I don't agree with you, mate. What are you on about? He said, that's like... You're in the public eye. You are in the public eye.
1: That's what it's about. You should so you be have to buzzing. accept that, yeah.
0: 100%, don't you think, if anyone asks you for Oh, yeah, you can't buzzing.
1: be... You can't be kind of snotty with people. You can't be yeah, dismissive. You know, people they're the people that are paying your wages.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: They're, they're people who go to the shows and uh, get on the podcasts, to get on the vlogs and things. They're the people, they're the public. And if you get recognised, obviously, that's that's a feather in your cap. Oh, isn't it just? So have you, you been buzzing since this morning? So they're Not bi- buzzing because I'm kind of used to it. Yeah. You know, I get it everywhere and anywhere that I go to, I get recognised, but it's nice. Sometimes, when you're not expecting it, you know, it's a straight to get recognized by the bin men. Yeah. You know, by this truck just going down the street, and then he start beeping the horn. The fellow must have had good eyes to see me at the lights. <laughs> yeah. But to go to the extent where they jump out, then ask you for a photo, and have a little chat
0: and things is uh, it's amazing. It's great. Brilliant. So, we've got loads to talk about today. We put out the Blackpool vlog last night. Um, Tell us about that. Not the Blackpool vlog. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up. We, we put out the you Manchester. put out the Manchester breadshed. The breadshed, Manchester, which we did two sold two sold out nights there just before Christmas. Yeah. Actually, felt a bit weird because like it's what August now. Is it June? It's
1: August it's, it's now. Due, but it's don't, yeah, out, don't forget it? we've had the virus, coronavirus to contend with, that's been nearly five months, you know, people don't realise it's five months since it started. Is it? Yes, yeah, since we started, guess it's March, we've had the whole of March, April, May, June, July, that's it's five months. Mad, that. So it's crazy, you know, I've gone five months without any workers, and we're um, working again soon, so things are lifting, things are looking well, things are looking great, and our podcasts and the live broadcast, we've done really, really kept my sanity, really, I would have gone out with fucking head, you know, with boredom. Yeah, we had we've had a mad week in terms of
0: podcasts though because at the moment like obviously these channels are growing all the time we really really appreciate everyone coming on you know lots of views lots of watches Uh, i really appreciate it but like anyone out there who wants us to jump on any you know what's frank's to jump on any of the videos we're up for it when that asked but on monday we jumped on this podcast with this irish fella right oh
1: so funny (laughs) like the the fella was an irish guy and he had his own podcast and he invited us on it we were on it and he, he, he just came, he came across, with no disrespect to him, he just came across as a very kind of like ordinary guy, you know, he had a beard, bald head, <laughs> yeah. about 48, 50. Like and then he said, Oh, I'll do a little bit on the stage myself. And everybody says that. Yeah. He said, You know, you get people saying I'm good on the karaoke or you want to see me doing card tricks. So when he said that, I said, Yeah, okay, mate, you know, didn't take him seriously. Yeah. So he went, I do Michael Jackson around the clubs, I do an impression on Michael Jackson. So Will said, I'm not being funny, you don't look like Michael Jackson. Yeah. And he said, well, it's more or less the voice. Because the voice is so good as Michael Jackson, that's what sells it. He so said, sound him. alike, not yeah, look alike. Sound alike. So I went, yeah, okay. And I looked at him and thought, you can't do Michael Jackson, mate. Yeah. This is just fucking rubbish.
0: Bear in mind, by the way, this is going out live. Going and out live. We don't know that this so didn't
1: No, so I said to him, go on, do Michael Jackson. He said, well, give me a song to sing. So I thought he was kind of bluffing playing for time. Yeah. Uh, he said, what one? I said, well, go on, sing Billie Jean. So he sang Billie Jean. I tell you what, I had a shiver down my spine. You would have thought Michael Jackson was in the room. Absolutely fantastic. Never heard anything like it in my life. Never heard anybody sounding so much like Jackson. And yeah, but his voice was, was great, it, it was fantastic. His voice is coming out of just this normal,
0: normal fella.
1: It just seemed weird because he's like, just like a, you know...
0: Just your average of, guy. Average like, guy,
1: yeah. carrying a little bit of weight, as we all do when we get a bit older. Beard and beard going grey, And looking at him thinking, yeah. is this, my, what the fuck, is has he got like Michael Jackson tape behind him? Because it yeah. just, obviously there was no accompaniment, there was no music. But the Michael Jackson was fantastic. You've got to give him that.
0: Nice one. So, uh, look, anyone who's listening or watching last week, we went through a full thing of all the photos in Frankie's house, spoke at length about different photographs that he had, and obviously all these photographs up here, which one of them has changed today. And the reason this has changed is because last week you couldn't see this photograph. We spoke about it at length with it being the photograph. It's a still image from the film Al's Lads that Frank was in. So do us a favour, Frank, just tell us, what, first of all, why have you why have you moved this photo to here?
1: Because we were speaking last week about the movie. Yeah, we'd done about 20 minutes on it, saying how I ended up in a film with Al Capone and how I got a part in the movie as Al Capone. And, and little did I realise that the actual still from the movie was on the other wall. So I'm talking about the movie, but it would have been great to have been talking about it and people could have seen are still from the movie, so they could have referenced it in the mind and thought, "Oh yeah, so yeah, he's sort of that's the guy that played Al Capone." So, so we, we've got it up now on this okay, wall. Okay, so Phil is in middle guy. He's the main guy, and he, Julian littman the actor, he's quite a famous actor, and he played the part of Al Capone in the film, and uh, it was a top movie. You know, it, it won the Cannes Film Festival. It went. It didn't. Wasn't for some weird, strange reason. It didn't go on general distribution in the British Isles. But it done very well in North America and South America. It was a big movie.
0: Yeah. Is that because the lad had the Scouse accent and it didn't really sound. I'm
1: right? not sure. No, it didn't. They didn't release it in England. I have watched it on DVD. Oh, did, yeah. I, yeah. But it, what I'm saying is it went straight to DVD. Yeah. I got you. They didn't because. It, it, I'm not sure if it didn't appeal you didn't think to being resorted. It didn't really sell. So it wasn't a film that you went to the showcase to see, if you yeah. know what I mean. Got you. It went straight to DVD. You're mate here. That's uh, my friend Dino, and uh, this is just a little, just tell you this very briefly that it was very strange that we were employed as extras. There was two hundred extras for the movie, and as the movie progressed, you know, some of it is still. You, you watch a movie and you, you notice that some of them don't really keep to the script. Richard Round, she was in the movie. The guy who played Shafty was a fantastic actor. He didn't really keep to the script he used to say little things a little bit differently so you're kind of flying on the seat of your pants when you're making these movies and they'll alter them a little bit you know they alter them and they altered it where they wanted two guys as bodyguards speaking parts to Al Capone so the uh, producer director they walked around all the extras and they picked me out 200 guys picked me out and they said you look like an Italian American gangster put me in the movie and Dino is Italian anyway and uh italian scouser so they put him in the movie both were um bodyguards to al capone so these two bodyguards this guy's actually your mate in real life that's the i was the godfather to his son yeah he's dino and uh, he's a good good friend of mine he's uh and he got the parts as uh al capone as al capone's bodyguard so you're just talking off camera before this about
0: a guy that you met who was in the sopranos i mean a lot of our audience will love the sopranos Well,
1: the guy that starred in this movie, um, there were two or three stars, but one of the stars was Al Sapienza. Now look Al Sapienza up on your phone, he's very high profile, he's a Hollywood star, he's been in a lot of Steven Seagal movies, a lot of action movies, Yeah. he's been in... Does he look like an Italian fella? Yeah, he looks kind of, you know, like a gangster. Yeah. So he's been in a lot of movies over the years, he's probably about 50 now. He uh, appeared in the first series of The Sopranos and he featured in a lot of the episodes and he was in Al's Lads. And we got to know him quite well. I got to know him, he was a good lad. And uh, we went out when we finished filming, when the film was a wrap, Mm. we all went down to Trials in Liverpool. It's a bar uh, in Liverpool, you know, with a cab, a big room upstairs. And he's a big Beatles fan, so he was over the moon being in Liverpool. And uh, he was singing Beatles songs. We had a band, and we all sort of we all kind of got very close. All the cast, yeah. So we got talking to him, and he, he, he just put an idea. He said, "Look," he said, um, "When I'm going back to, to New York, he said, I'll keep in touch." And uh, he, he kept in touch, and, and he wanted us to go to the states to read for um, parts, a couple of parts in The Sopranos. But disaster, 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 as everybody knows. I can't fly, and to make it worse, this was just after 9-11. Yeah. So even people who could fly around the world and weren't scared, they got frightened, and a lot of you know flights were suspended. And I just said, look, I'll just have to wait. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry, obviously, fucking hell. Could have been on The Sopranos. I thought, no, I can't fly. When I found out it was eight hours to New York, I went, no, I just couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, would you be up for being in like a gangster film or whatever? I mean, is a gangster yeah. film kind of like your vibe? Is that
1: Gangster, because I look like a gangster, <laughs> and I am, uh, I used to be a gangster <laughs> in real life. I think that that's my forte. I'd slot straight in, I could speak languages as well, you know, I could be kind of like Benny Blanco in Carlitos way, you know. Would you like to do like one in the UK? Anywhere they'd like any, to,
0: any directors watching,
1: yeah, I, I, I can I, I play the part of a good gangster. <laughs> go but the weird thing is, the part I didn't like about being in a movie, you've got to get up too early in the morning, you've got to be on, you've got to be kind of on location, 5 a.m. And I don't go to bed till four, so it was hard work. Didn't you fall asleep in one of the scenes? <laughs> yeah, we were doing a scene and it was supposed to be, um, the world championship boxing match. The story was the Scouser and his mate went over to the States, started working for Al Capone. Capone's kid gets kidnapped. Um, I got shot trying to rescue the kid, but that was all fucking edited out of the film, that scene. It took yeah. us two days to do it for some reason, not edited out. But when we were doing the soldiers field uh, arena that's supposed to be in Chicago, Lister Drive School doubled up as the venue. Richard Roundtree was in the movie who played Shaft, who was fantastic. And he was like at Ringside with the Scous Boxer as, as his his candle in his corner. And um that one for some reason they started filming at 4.30 in the morning. So fuck I had to get a cab because I was too tired to drive down to this fucking school. Lister Drive School, and I remember sitting there at four o'clock, and I was going, oh, oh, and they were rehearsing, and they weren't really filming and fucking about brushing this boxing ring out and adjusting the lights, and somebody was shaking me on the shoulder. It was John H. Tracy, <laughs> former Welter, welterweight world champion, who's a very good friend of mine. He'd done the choreography for the movie, yeah, with uh, another mate of mine, Ray Nicholas, uh, who's a, a fantastic uh, international stuntman, Ray. And uh, he woke me up and he said, Frank, Frank, he's an East End lad, you know, Frank, Frank, fuck it, wake up, will ya? It's fucking half six. No one had noticed, I'd just gone to sleep, been asleep for like nearly two hours. <laughs> nice, one. Well, would you be up for doing any acting though? If it was I'd a- love to do acting again. Um, I just have to kind of work on my body clock and maybe get an hour in bed in the afternoon or something, a couple of hours, so I'll be ready for it, you know? So. Have you ever done any TV work before? Oh, I've been on TV. I started out, uh, 1985 was the first time I was on a television. And what that was, was a friend of mine, Mickey Finn, a comedian, fantastic comedian, brilliant comedian, uh, the biggest comedian on Merseyside at one stage, and uh, been on the comedian shows in the 70s, who's was a bit older than me. Yeah. And uh, the new comedian show he was on in the 90s, been on like the Les Dawson show. Been on a lot of shows doing comedy. Starburst. He was on hey, you great comedy. You know, um, just off topic.
0: It was a weird one. I bumped into Les Dawson's daughter. Oh yeah. Um, just by chance in the when I was working in the old office, and she's doing really well for herself. You know, she's quite like uh, a lot of people really like her online. But you're from
1: York, she went. even she live here? Does ve- she
0: very funny? Does a lot of Instagram, yeah. Facebook type stuff. But that I find that that interesting because it kind of like we were talking the other day about how that talent that Les Dawson clearly had to be able to tell jokes or make people laugh has, has gone down into his
1: daughter. Yeah. Was he like a big, like huge famous thing back Les Dawson in the day? was huge. Yeah. He was huge in the 70s, 80s and even 90s. He had a game show, Blankety Blank. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Was, that was Les Dawson. I mean, Bob Monkhouse done it as well, but Les Dawson done it for a long time. And I think Marty Kane did it. She was a great comedian. She died. And also uh, Lily Savage, you know, the. Uh, oh, I know. He's Paulo done it. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. done it. So, yeah, Les Lawson was huge. And um, Mickey Finn appeared on his show. But what happened was, we're well, getting back to the story. Yes, yeah, sir. How I first appeared on a TV. Mickey Finn rang me said, Look, there's. Panorama, which is a news show mm. on, on, you know, a documentary show on, which is still on now on the television. They want to do a thing in Liverpool. It was actually in Birkenhead about an organisation called uh, Merseyside Parents Against Drug Abuse. Yeah. So he said okay, and he was kind of like a really clean comedian. He had a lovely, like, wholesome image. Yeah. So he didn't want to even kind of go on anything, even if it was raising money for drugs. See what I mean?
0: What do you mean, raising
1: money for drugs? Uh, oh, raising, raising money, money for drug drugs.
0: awareness, I should say. He didn't want any association He didn't with want any like
1: association with, with even the word drug yeah. in the thing. You, no, you didn't. I get that. So when he said, well, you do it, I didn't give a fuck what it was. Yeah. You know, I said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, yeah, is it to, to get, you know, is it to, to raise money for drugs? <laughs> is it to buy drugs? I'll buy some. And they said, no, no, it's not that what it is. It's an organisation on the Wood Church estate in Birkenhead, which is fucking rough. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, the Ford Estate in Birkenhead, a pub called the Corsair, which a very good friend of mine was running at the time. And uh, they just want to film you for four to five minutes telling a few gags about drugs. And all the audience will be there. It's a big fundraising night for Wirral parents or Merseyside parents against drug abuse. And then we'll interview people in the audience of your son or daughter on drugs and... Do you think this organization helps? What did you think about Frankie telling gags about? And it was very good. It was great. Yeah. But the strangest thing, I'll tell you a little funny story about it. The strangest thing about it was this I was only on for four to five minutes. Mm-hmm. You can see it's me telling a few silly gags. I think it was something like, uh, oh, yeah, there's a sign on Paul McCartney's lawn, keep off the grass. It was just very kind yeah, of lightweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No language, obviously, for the television at the time. You couldn't swear. Which TV channel are we talking? It was on BBC, Panorama. Like, UK-wide or just local? It was UK-wide. Okay. So it was UK-wide. Panorama's BBC One. It's on now, isn't it? It's like World in Action. It's like, you know, Newsnight. So anyway, didn't think anything of it. Now, it was 1985, or was it, or 84. Anyway, at the time, strange thing. Mm. I got paid off the BBC. I think I got 150 quid. Just for those five minutes. So I was having a terrible time in 85. Uh, I'll just tell you the truth. I was in court for something that I wasn't involved with, which, you know, I was innocent of. And uh, that was hanging over me. Anyone that's been to court I had a big case hanging over them. You've got to go to court. So you're worried. Worried about that. Um, couldn't get any work. The kind of like economically, I was really on the floor. I was in a bit, bit of a bad state. And um, got a cheque one morning and I was skint this week, it was strange. I had no money at all, talking about no money to buy food. And I got this cheque and I what the fuck's this? <laughs> and it said on a BBC and so-and-so, so-and-so. And it was like 200 quid, I like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and it was to Frankie Allen, so and so, so and so, Panorama, Merseyside Parents Against Drug Abuse, uh, drug abuse shown four times in South Africa, royalties. You're joking. No? I said, you're fucking joking. So anyway. Do you think it was a wind up? No, I just couldn't believe it. So it was 200 quid. Then a week later, got this thing for 80 quid because it had been shown in Israel. Mad that Then a thing came, United States, Australia, Canada, and a lot of these people on the TV, you don't realize, you know, when they, however, what, what is the contract they sign in the film, or whatever, if it gets shown in different places around the world, they keep getting paid. Okay. So that literally kept me alive. You know, I was getting checks every couple of weeks because of this little tiny thing they done on the BBC. You enjoy it. So that was the first I enjoyed, that was the first time I went on television. Now the next time I we went on television after that has got to be ninety one, ninety two. about about six or seven years later. There was a program on a television called uh, Up Upfront. Wait, there. What about Opportunity Knox? Was that on? Television? Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've just missed ten years. <laughs> I went on Opportunity Knox with Bob Monkhouse in eighty seven. That's the first time we've ever been on stage uh, on TV, or not? I've just told you it went on Panorama. Panorama was first. That was a documentary. Yeah. But it was a talent show, Opportunity Knox. Um, Huey Green used to run it in the 70s. It's basically
0: for anyone who's young, uh, you know, about my age or younger, 30 years of age or younger, 35 or younger, Opportunity Knox is... Or was what Britain's Got Talent is now
1: very similar yeah. to uh, Britain's Got Talent. So what's the other one called? The X bit, Factor. The X Factor was a bit slicker than Britain's Got. Talent. You know, it was kind of like very high profile. I mean, sixteen million people watched the first episode. Yeah. So I auditioned for it. Auditioned up in Manchester. I could have auditioned in Liverpool, just across the road here at the Grafton, but I knew too many people had put me off. So I went to Manchester. Yeah. Um. And they, I got picked. From a quarter of a million people that were auditioned, I got picked as the first act to appear on Opportunity Knocks. And it was filmed uh, going live 21st of March, 87, in Shepherd's Bush, Bush studio in London. What was it uh, like? Fantastic. Fill it in the okay,
0: right. So this is the biggest show at the time. Yeah. Um. You are, what, like 30-something? 33. So like peak, like you're thinking, fucking
1: hell, if I smash this... I thought, so I'm going to make it. Yeah. You know, I thought this is going to be... And even Bob Monkhouse said to me, Frankie, when we done the auditions, you were brilliant. You're going to be a huge success. He was sound, Bob Monkhouse, right? Good he? lad. Yeah. He said, you're going to be a huge success out of this show. So... So I was just, like, walking literally on cloud nine... Um, I was so with the script writers f- film, and things f- fill every me, day. Film
0: me in on what, WhatsApp, what happens? Did you go down on the train? Did you get put up for the weekend? I, I went want down to know with, with my manager
1: it. at the time from Manchester, Harry Barnes, good lad. Yeah. We got the train down there. We stayed in Chiswick in London, went to rehearsals all week. And um, when it was filmed, went out live. It was everything I dreamed. I'd always dreamed of being, you know, walked into Studio 8 the BBC it was the biggest studio in the BBC yeah when I looked around there's hundreds of cameramen there's a fella kind of like on a railway track yeah which would go right up into like the ceiling he's on a camera yeah there's directors running round there's there's people running up to you you know this girl running up and going like Frankie just can, can I just have a go at your eyes and put makeup on you yeah the whole atmosphere was fantastic. Everything that I'd ever dreamed of I loved it. You know, um, before we went out live, 15 minutes before, um, or oh, sorry, half an hour before, the announcement, Frankie Allen to makeup, Frankie Allen to makeup. Go into makeup because the studio lights can really penetrate your skin. You can look bony. Not, not that it makes you look thinner. People make it, think it makes you look thinner. Your, your bones can kind of show through your skin. So they put a lot of makeup on you. I was looking good then, lost a lot of weight because I news was going on the TV, but struggled with struggling with my weight. And um, then I'm standing off camera, like the lights are blinding, it was fantastic. Bob Monkhouse is on introducing me and the the, the um, floor manager is standing there with these headphones on and he's got this thing and he's going and they start counting down and you know the countdown and he's going, 10 seconds. Seven seconds going live. Then quiet please on the studio floor going live. Three seconds cue Frankie. Then I was on and it's just such a buzz. It was great. Were you nervous? And man? I went on. To be honest, I was nervous and I never get nervous, mm. but it's strange the things that make you nervous. And although 16 or 17 million people were watching it, I wasn't nervous about that. What was making me nervous? was my mum and dad had never seen me because I was a blue comedian. My mum was a bit of a church goer, bit kind of like, you know, she was a good Catholic. She didn't like language. She didn't like anyone swearing because I was very blue. And although I wasn't swearing when I was on the television, because I knew it was the first time my mum was ever going to see me, it made yeah. me nervous. Got it. Just because my mum was going to watch. If she wouldn't watch me. So I wasn't nervous at all until I started thinking about my mum. Mm. So I asked this one of the girls who was a kind of researcher. So she got me this bottle of wine from her own locker. So I had a drink and it calmed me down. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, was she, So your mum was just watching it on TV though? She wasn't in the audience? She wasn't in the audience. Oh, John, my brother and Brother John and Binny, my two brothers, uh, came down. They surprised me. It was fantastic seeing them there in the studio. Yeah, they came down.
0: Give you a bit of a chill.
1: I had a couple of mates who were living in London at the time that came along, you know. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then, sorry, you go on the show. Yeah, what's your performance like?
1: My performance was great, and I won in the studio. I won it, but at the time, the weird thing was for anyone to win Opportunity Knox, you had to win with the British public. And the way that the voting system was then was, you had to ring up a number. The number was in the Radio Times. You had to phone out oh eight hundred so and so so and so five if you wanted me. Yeah. The same number, but a four, if you wanted Kerry Wilson. She was on doing impressions. She was brilliant, though. She's very good. Yeah. She's only a young kid, 18 and 19. Um, four-wheel drive, a band from Cheltenham. They were very good. There was this Greek fella who was on playing the piano. He was brilliant. Classical pianist. So About six or seven acts on. So I thought I had a really good chance of winning. And uh, just fantastic. I felt like a Hollywood star. Going out for meals and Bob Monkhouse, thought I was on my way to becoming a star. And when the phone vote came, people were phoning up on the Saturday night. They read out the results on the Sunday and I didn't win. What happened next? Kerry Wilson won. Was she, it was did the she become famous? Well, she's not now. She's not even working now. She never stayed at it. Oh, she got a, a, a limited degree of success. Exposure. She, exposure. She was very good, don't get me wrong. And when I saw her, I thought, fucking hell, you know, I'm going to have to work hard if I want to beat her. Yeah. Because she'd done a lot of impressions at the time, EastEnders and Coronation Street, characters who were very popular.
0: Yeah, current stuff.
1: Current stuff. So I thought, mm, you know, but so I didn't win. I wasn't bitter about not. i just showing you what, what can happen, you know, from being on Opportunity Knox in 87 from thinking I had the world at my feet and mm. I was going to be a big star. I'd been told by Bob Monk, by Monk I, was, I was going to be a big star. From there, literally three months later, I was fighting in this rough club. Yeah, but how did that happen? I was dead curious about that because surely,
0: you know, yeah. did mainstream press pick it up? Did Liverpool press pick it up? Did you get on, like, other TV shows, radio? Well, what happened? The
1: press picked it up. A couple of papers criticised me. Same what? Just, you know, not in you, and he's just a Scouse comedian. He's just like Stan Boardman was, and he's like a lot of old Liverpool kids. He's just trying to bring something back, and somebody criticised me. Funny enough, none of the national papers criticised me. Mm. It was a woman that was working for the Liverpool Echo. The They the, the kind of... Uh, my own local paper criticised me, but nobody else. <laughs> that's, is, that's very, it's very sad. Though, isn't it? It's yeah. very sad. <laughs> yeah. They savaged me, my own fucking paper. Go on, but out of town... Well I'm I'm not th- I, can I mention a woman's name that don't mention me? the woman's
0: name but just tell her,
1: tell us what the fuck she said. They just said we had Frankie Allen on, nothing new. Uh he just sounded like Stan Borman. He was moving his mouth like Stan Borman. My i my act Stan's a great comic, but I'm not anything like Stan Borman. And yeah. I just like old stuff and it just criticized me. But a lot of the other other papers uh, Margaret Forward, she wrote a glowing report about me this fellow's going to go far he's fantastic but you can get all that you can get praised in the media but if you don't get approached by anyone to go into a movie or to you know or or yeah I think you'll be good hosting a TV series or a game show what do you do? Where do you go from there? So I was just back in the same position that I was before I did Opnox in fact Kind of went a bit worse and a bit embarrassing because I was still working the same clubs and people were saying, Oh, you guys, it was on off Knox and didn't you win and what happened and all? How come you're back working here? So, a bit of a come down, yeah. So, yeah, come You've done that opportunity, Knox. And obviously, we've done a podcast, the
0: first episode of the podcast, if you want to go back and check that out, but what no. happens next? But I'm interested in more of the TV stuff for this particular okay. episode. So, like, that's a big, big bit of exposure, yeah?
1: Yeah. When
0: was the next time you went on television after that? The next
1: thing I went uh, time I went on television, not because of opportunity not but because of the reputation I was getting in Manchester really, I think. I think that's how it filtered through. I was doing, working nearly every night in Manchester, New York, so it was very popular up there. Yeah, I was doing a lot of the stag shows with strippers. It was all men, so I was very blue. Used to savage people in the crowd, picking on people. Just basically what I do now. Mm. But I started to get very well known in Manchester. And somebody came on from Granada television that wanted me to go on to play kind of devil's advocate um in Granada up front, which was a show that was hosted by um Anthony Wilson, Tony Wilson, yeah. who's passed away sadly. This is the guy He's very famous in money. Very famous, Tony yeah. Wilson. And he actually discovered a lot of bands. I'm sure he discovered um the Stone Roses and different bands. And he started the Hacienda Club in Manchester. Got it. So he's very kind of like, he was very high profile and very kind of like the Vogue. He was very well known, mm-hmm. very kind of famous uh, with the Manchester club scene and all the Manchester bands. He had his own show on uh, Granada television, but it was very confrontational. He wanted people in the audience to argue with people who were in, um, who, who were kind of like... The show was based on, you'd have two people sitting out front in the studio talking about separate things, people from the audience, but they wanted it to kind of get a bit rowdy. What was it about? It was life. What was it about? Well, one of the first episodes I went on, um, Liverpool as a city was having a bit of a bad time for different reasons. I think this is 91 or 92. And it was being portrayed in the press. There were a lot of running gags about scousers being robbers and being dishonest and all this stuff. And this professor Mm. had brought out a report and the report was that Liverpool has been the architect of its own destruction, self-pity city. Basically, all he was doing in this fucking report was saying that people are very belligerent, which means they're always up for a night of fight and an argument. Yeah. They're all on a short fuse. He was calling us lazy, and he was saying these different things about scouts. And also, John McCrick John was on it. Now, you'll remember John McCririck, I know he passed away recently. He was the guy that wore the Deerstalker hat with a monocle, and the very big bushy hair He was always on down. for like
0: the Grand National. And right? he was
1: going, yes, three to one, off, it's that, that all that. And he called yeah, him yeah. the Tic Tac Man. Yeah. So he was on as well. Yeah. I went down there with a friend of mine who, he's passed away, Big Fred, mm. who, you know, Carl Fredericks, fantastic singer. So the two of us were in the crowd, you know, right at the front. It was all a bit of a setup, And this guy came on having a go at Liverpool, slagging us down, you know. And this, uh, this John McCritick, he said some terrible things about Liverpool. You know, he did on camera. Now, I'll tell you what he said. Go on. Because, I mean, I was on the thing. If you want to check up, it's there, what he said. He said, Liverpool is an abomination. He said, it's a cancer on the face of Britain, which should be destroyed. What, it, was he saying that, just saying it as
0: he thought or was he saying that to stoke up like a bit of...
1: No, that's what he thought. Okay. But, I mean, I was right to the front and Fred was right next to me. And Fred was probably at the time, you know, the, the tough, the hardest fella in in, in Liverpool. You yeah. know, he was six foot four by 25 stone. He was huge. And I've seen him fight, you know, unbelievable. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. This guy was like four to five yards away. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to me, and I'd just lost my mother with cancer, so he mentioned cancer. Okay. So he goes, and I was screaming this guy, and I'd been going on about Liverpool. Margie Clark had been on. She was in the crowd as well. Yeah. Margie Clark, the actress from Letters of Brezhnev, and he was saying, You're wrong, you're wrong to so this professor. Liverpool's fantastic. Look what they've done with the Albert Dock. Yeah. Look how they built the rope works. Look at the arena they were building at the time. And she was kind of saying, We've just done a letter from Brezhnev. They're making a lot of movies. Liverpool looks like New York it was in the 30s. It, you know, it acts as a double for New York in movies. And these two guys were screaming. Then he goes, Liverpool is a cancer on the face of Britain. It must be destroyed. So I went, fucking destroyed cancer. So I just kicked off. I jumped up. So Tony Wilson runs over. (laughs) So it's live, yeah. Live? Yeah. So Fred grabs me, pulls me back. So he's going, Mr. Comedian Chappy, you don't know what you're talking about. So it all kind of like nearly went off. What were you saying
0: to him in response? I can't remember. I was just gone, you know. You didn't like say anything because you're quite good talking like that. That's what I was curious about. But it kicked
1: off on Tony Wilson as well. Funny enough, strangely enough, this was in 1991. Last year, mm. it was something to do with the Hacienda Club in, in, in Manchester. On Granada Reports, the local channel here, Granada, they were doing this little thing about Tony Wilson. Yeah. And um, Lucy Meacock, who's one of the presenters on it, and um, she said, yeah, but he wasn't always liked, especially... People from Liverpool didn't like him, and he's shown the clip again. The clip of you? Of me screaming at Tony Wilson, but he was a nice lad, you know, it was just one of those things. So, you didn't manage to have a debate with John McCritish? Because I think you would have fucked him off if you had a debate Well, with no, and I mean, to be honest with you, he came up to Liverpool a few years later, but it was all forgotten then, you know, it was all forgotten, and he's, he's passed away, sadly, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was your argument with Tony Wilson?
1: The same thing. Why are you letting the show go ahead? Yeah. When it's just obviously a setup against scousers.
0: Yeah, it's just stoking animosity.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Okay, next time after that, let's talk about it. Well, the next time after Granada up front, because I was playing the devil's advocate on a show like that, and I was kind of kicking off, Is basically what they wanted. Uh, a, a, a guy, John Stapleton from the BBC, they came on to me to do um, a morning show. Uh, what was the name of it? Now I think it was called um, "The Time and the Place." It was called. Okay. Time and the place, and it was this was another strange, funny thing. I was going down. That's it. Before that, I should say, I was going down to Birmingham to do a show called um, Central Weekend Live. Yeah. Which is another weekend show, very similar to Tony Wilson's show, and I started off in the audience. But because I was doing very well in it, at it, you know, with speaking and whatever, they put me as one of the presenters. It was a local show, only going out in the middle, and it was only on for 40 minutes, and they had three segments of the show. One would be about asking the audience, what do you think about men and women's jobs? And it was all kind of innocuous, mild stuff. Yeah. One was about wolf whistling, fellas whistling girls yeah. on building sites, and should they do it or shouldn't they do it? Strangely enough, there was a feminist on, this woman. Um, she's still working, I've seen on television, her name, an American girl called Naomi Wolf. Yeah. She'd written a book saying basically men shouldn't whistle after women and all this business. So she's there in the audience, mm-hmm. sorry, not in the audience, in the front of the film, it? and I'm there as well. And that was the first time that I'd done it. I was out of the audience then, I was like co-presenting it. But um, when we had done it, it didn't really work out for me that night. It, I don't know why, but it didn't. I, I didn't. It didn't come across. It didn't come across very well. So they never really asked me to do it again. Central Weekend Live. Done a couple more things for them. Didn't hear from them. Then I heard from John Stapleton, and uh, they came on with the time and the place. Now sometimes it was filmed in Nottingham. Then it was filmed in London. So when I used to go on, there'd be girls going on. You'd see all these girls going on. And uh, you see any argument where everyone agrees with what everyone says in the audience. Doesn't make for good TV. It's very boring. Yeah. So what they do, say for instance, there's one about obesity. Mm. And this girl was sitting there in the audience, she was like 30 stone. Yeah. And she was sitting there, she was going, Oh yes, I've tried every diet under the sun. And I, it's, what it is, the doctors have told me it's my metabolism and all that. So then you get someone else saying, oh, yes, I feel so sorry for you. Have you experienced any prejudice because you put so much weight on? Do you think when you've been interviewed for work, the people have thought we couldn't employ her because she is a large woman? Then when, when John's table said, what do you think, Frankie? And I'd say, you're fat <laughs> because you're greedy. Yeah. You're greedy. You eat too much. And what was their reaction? Will it be an like? uproar? But that's what they wanted. Yeah, they well, wanted well, an uproar. Did, did they
0: brief you beforehand? Like, oh, we want you to do this. Or yeah,
1: it- they briefed me when they phoned me. They used to phone me from time and the place and say, "Frankie, we're doing this thing about obese women. Yeah, do you have an opinion about obese women?" And I'd say, "I haven't really got an opinion about them. Ever see them in the crowd or pick on them?" Mm. And why? She said, and this girl said, researchers said, why do you think, I knew what she wanted me for, why do you think they are obese? I said, probably because they never stop eating. <laughs> so she went, is that your opinion? I said, yeah, write yeah. that down. That's my opinion. Yeah. And then she said, oh, well, can you come down on Thursday to uh, to do, and I used to stay on the Wednesday night, do the show on the Thursday morning. Mm then come back but we, it was, weirdly that topic's
0: yeah. not controversial anymore there's a fella called james smith he's like a yeah. huge personal trainer in the uk now yeah. he's got like a like a like a fucking diet book and everything else yeah and he just keeps saying he come on pierce morgan and that yeah. <laughs> saying something similar to what you said he just really? said look you know people keep saying oh, i can't lose weight for this reason that reason all it is is you need to just stop eating as much
1: well, look. Back I, then, yeah, it I know like... what you mean. I mean, some people, people have got different metabolisms. Just kind of like when people put weight on in different places. It's a bit more complicated than that. But that's why they wanted me. Yeah, he wanted me. And this girl, I must have made for good television because this like fat bird. She's about thirty stone. She's sitting on these two fucking seats right at the front, and I'm kind of like sitting off to the right. And John Stapleton says, Frankie Allen, I know you're a comedian and you often pick on people who are carrying a bit of weight. What's your what do you think of Moira here? Why, why do you think that she's put weight on? Then the boom camera comes right onto me. So I just stand up and I go, Hey love, you're fat because you're greedy. And she and she tried to turn around in the chair, she couldn't turn around. It's like a horror movie, and she was like, Fuming and she went, oh, oh how dare you? And all, that. and all these other like feminists were all kicking off, shouting, how dare you? Get him out, get him out of the studio. But when we finished, yeah, John Stapleton used to say to me, that was great, Frankie. Oh, on the sly. Yeah, Well, yeah, because it's, it's... That's what he wants. It's like a Jerry Springer thing. People want, you know, people want to see. Yeah confrontation. Yeah. They don't want to see everyone agreeing about the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally, totally.
1: So did you used to get booked off for more TV shows off the back of that? Because you were on Kilroy, weren't you, at one point? Kilroy, you know, John Stapleton ran for years, got booked for a lot of things and then apart from when Jeremy Kil- Kyle it came in. T- wasn't
0: Kilroy like a big deal though back then? He was, yeah, he was Kilroy, very controversial. Kil- Kilroy shows like what, like, a je- like Jeremy Kyle? Quite, kind of similar. Yeah.
1: I mean, he had to resign in the end when the PC Brigade took over, yeah. I didn't know he, he was mentioned something about Egyptians or something, and he only said, I mean, you, you, nowadays, it's just 10 years ago, even then, you have to be very careful what you said. And he said "He said something like, well, that's all right for an Egyptian to say when you live in Egypt. Anyway, there's fucking a lot of trouble over yeah. it, you know, call him a racist, and he just had to kind of like resign. So that was the end of Kilroy, but he was a good lad, yeah. So
0: you just kept going on similar shows like that, or is there anything that was different?
1: There was nothing else that I went on, kind of TV wise, carried on talking, about, uh, carried on with the kind of like interviews, winding people up. That's all I was used for, really.
0: And then nothing else after that. Nothing in terms of like going on. St- what about uh, well, yeah, the motors thing.
1: Yeah, the Men and motors thing came up round about the same time that I was doing. Um, John Stapleton, Okay. early 90s. I'll tell you a very strange, funny story about John Stapleton's show though, which a lot of people will laugh at. 1991, 92, uh, I used to get phone calls from Stapleton, you know, from from his office, John Stapleton. Do you want to do, and they ring you on the Monday. Mm. Do you want to do the time and the place this Thursday? So you get the train down to London and you'd stay over then you get the train back. Now, there's a guy, very famous guy that was on one of the shows and uh, became a good mate of mine. He's passed away uh, um, an East End lad, a black guy called Kenny Lynch. Do you ever remember Kenny Lynch? No, yeah, really? he was, anyone a bit older will remember Kenny Lynch, fantastic singer and comedian, always on the Palladium. He was a friend of Jimmy Tarbuck's, Kenny Lynch. How'd you get mixed to, with him? Just got us. Talk. One, what, we, we, we were in an, uh, an audience in Birmingham and uh, these fellas were kicking off about some fucking subject and it used to get quite and kenny lynch was arguing with these fellas and i knew john h stracy's a good mate of mine he knows kenny lynch he's a very good friend of kenny lynch john Stracey, the boxer was a mate of mine so kenny was kind of automatically one of the boys a mate of mine and he was sitting kind of next to me and he'd said something about whatever it was i can't remember and these guys started kicking off on him and this fellow was getting very aggressive mm. So uh, Kenny says to me, Frank, Frank, it's going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble. This is off the mic. Yeah. You couldn't see this. Gone. So he's going, I'm what's going to say, uh, I don't know if it's a swear. Yeah, you know, just go for it. So Kenny Lynch is sitting there, you know, and I'm there. So this fellow with a big head, and he had a fucking big horse's head. He's shouting at Kenny Lynch. So Kenny's going, fucking kill this cunt, Frank. <laughs> or kill this cunt, the minute. Yeah. Fucking kill him. So we go, who's he goes, who's he with? Who's he with? Don't look, don't look, don't look. Yeah. So I said, he's with some big fat. Cunt. I said, I'll kill that big fat. Cunt. I said, so Kenny said, come on, Frank, come on. So yeah. we're walking round and to get these fellas, me and Kenny Lynch. And the security had to come, but they kept it off camera. Okay, I think they went blank for a bit. And this fella, if you're only a fucking idiot, like a student type, oh. his fucking bottle went. But Kenny Lynch said to me, Frankie, do you stay down here? Mm. I said, yeah. You know, stayed in Shizik last night, and then he to get to straight. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Mm. I said, what do you mean? He said, next time they ring you, say, I'd love to do it. This is what he's always saying. Say, I'd love to do it. I'm terribly sorry. I'd love to do this show. Will you pass on my commissioner? Tell them that you can't come down till the Thursday morning. Yeah. And they'll fly you down. <laughs> okay. So when the researcher came, she said, is that Frankie Allen? You know, the way they are in London, you know? Yeah, I signed fucking Samantha from the BBC and all this. And uh, we want you to come on John Stapleton once on the time and the place. I said, great, when is it? She said, this Thursday morning. And I said, oh, I am sorry, dear. I said, I have a big show in the Adelphi Hotel in Liverpool on the Wednesday evening. I said, oh... I think, oh, I think that the first trains at six o'clock, I wouldn't get there till nine. Yeah. She went, oh, that would be too late to go into makeup. But John did really want specifically to go on the show. It's about uh, men who like women's clothing. So I was going, oh, fucking, I'll get me on it. Get yeah, me yeah. on it. And she went, I don't know how to get you down there, Frank, in time. I said, I wonder if She went, just a moment. She came back. She said, Frankie, we'll fly you down. So they flew me down on this airline called VSL, this Dutch airline. They flew from Liverpool at 7 o'clock in the morning to City Docklands Airport, then flew on to Rotterdam. So, great. So I started flying to the jobs. So did you end up staying with this this Kenny guy when you were flying down
0: there?
1: I didn't stay with Kenny Lynch overnight, no. I flew down... Um, to do the show then flew back the same day So did you stay in touch with Kenny after that? Yeah not really no I didn't really know him that well regards. I used to kind of like uh, you know ask about if John Stracy has spoken John Stracy has spoken to him and uh, yeah but he was a big star in the 70s and 80s Kenny Lynch yeah great uh, and a great lad you know one of the boys he wasn't uh, snob or anything he was dead an East End lad dead down to earth So
0: we're talking about all these different chat shows and then men and motors which we kind of glossed over so tell us about that what was the script there? what
1: men and motors was i'm not can't even remember what year that was it was 91 92 and uh there's a lot a lot of people have seen that because that's out up on youtube it's now, up yeah. on youtube yeah uh, what it was uh, the, you know the guy you know this frank Sidebottom. have you heard of that no well, a lot of people frank Sidebottom. it's this kind of like character that this guy he kind of invented and it's been on the television on Granada anyway. Uh it's a long story. Anyway, he had the idea of bring the old comedian show back to television. Yeah. The comedians in the 70s um was a fantastic show and it launched the careers of lots of people. Eddie Flanagan, Mickey Finn, Stan Boardman, George Roper. Um, I mean they just scouters. Doug, Dougie was, Brown it
0: across the board though, wasn't it? A Dougie big, Brown,
1: big. yeah, we've well, got to mention them. Dougie Sorry. Brown. Ken Goodwin, Bernard Manning was on the comedian show. Yeah. The comedians from all over the uh, Austin night, the, the comedians from all over the UK. And uh, Ken Goodwin, a brilliant comedian, very funny. Uh, Frank Carson, uh, Northern Ireland comedian, all these comics. To, to, en-
0: to anyone who's like my age or younger, yeah, here, was that like the original comedian show? They
1: were, that was the original comedian and was that
0: show. Like Primetime TV.
1: Primetime TV it uh, used to get millions of views, and I remember at the time, in the 70s, don't forget, I was only a kid, I was starting off in comedy, yeah. they were looked on. If you'd been on a comedian show on Granada on a Saturday night, 20 million people watching, you You know, you were a god. You know, it was kind of like they used to go around the clubs like heroes, and they'd be paid thousands, and oh, yeah. it was all big time if you got on the comedian show. Yeah, um, there was A lot of politics involved, some comics who were good, didn't manage to get on it. If you ain't kind of picked for the team. Okay. If you know what I mean. There's some good comics that never got on it. Why not? I don't know. Um, Stevie Fay was a good comic. He got on it. Colin Crompton, who ended up with his own show, uh, Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club. Um, a lot of older people remember that fantastic show on Granada Television. Went nationwide. He was on the comedian show. There were some bloody good comedians. But it kind of died out by the time we got to the 80s. Old school mainstream comedy like on the comedian shows kind of died out and was being overtaken or overlooked really by the alternative side of things. Someone was
0: saying, I was doing a bit of research into this myself, and they were saying that because the reason that it died out was because they used to have a big fucking whiteboard. Yeah. And a lot of the comics would tell the same jokes, during that period of time, and they were saying, you know, sometimes there would be Throughout the night, people had write, "I've done this joke on the whiteboard or whatever," and then by the end of the night or by the end of the show, there wouldn't be anything left. Do you agree with that?
1: No, not really. I mean, every comic, yeah, nervous? no, every comic I knew, even in the seventies, they all they've all got their own act. They've all got their own material. Yeah. You might get a little bit of crossover, yeah, where one comic tells the same gag as another one, but no, and they're all working on different clubs. Don't forget. Yeah. So, no, it was boom time. It was boom town. Boom time for comedians in the 70s. But for whatever reason, I think it was the, the kind of like atmosphere, you know, where the PC brigade started saying, you know, you can't tell a joke about your wife anymore and because it's sexist and all this fucking rubbish. It just wasn't in crap. vogue anymore. Crap, it wasn't in vogue. So it died out, but it made a little bit of a resurgence in the late 80s. I did Opportunity Knocks and I was successful on that. And there was a few other shows that were kind of featuring, highlighting stand-up mainstream comedians yeah so this guy who's involved evolved the frank uh sign bottom thing he came up with the idea of uh, the comedian show from the 70s being rehashed Mm -hmm. as the new comedians and the new comedian show was filmed it was filmed in a club in ashton the other side of manchester the witchwood club so it was filmed in front of a live audience with uh, granada tv crew yeah ob you know outside broadcast um and it was a very very hot day and i'll never forget how hot it was it was so hot but uh i did it Um, it's just one take it was one night yeah it was one take. in an afternoon it was filmed in the afternoon and like everything else they'd invited certain people down so a lot of agents came down as the audience. And the agents obviously involved with entertainment. So they're a hard audience. Okay. And you're trying so it's to, difficult impress to impress them. To so they actually brought some people from an old people's home to make up the numbers. It wasn't full, the club, you know, we yeah. were filming. And they were great. They were a great audience. So I was on it. Um, you had Sean Styles from Liverpool, um, Chrissy Rock, the comedian. She was on it. Pauline Daniels, Tom Pepper, uh, passed away Tom, great comedian. You had um, Jimmy Carroll, Who's um, was a so great comedian? So like- all the local comics came on, and uh, from the northwest, basically the whole of the north of England. Johnny Casson from Yorkshire. You got everybody who was knocking about on the circuit at the time mm-hmm. came on to the new comedian show. What was it like? Brilliant, and it was
0: fantastic. But what, like, I know that it was only. I've seen, all, all I've seen is clips on YouTube, yeah. right? So a lot of people ask me, to send messages, yeah. oh, what was all that about? So like, yeah. what was that about? Was it Was it, Was it? it on the TV? It was on the TV, yeah. And did it go out regularly? It was on or? a
1: channel, it was on a Sky channel called Men and Motors. Yeah. And uh, it was repeated two or three times, you know, series. It was very funny. I mean, I got some good gags from it watching it because certain days... Uh, when I wasn't involved, when I wasn't being filmed, and all the other comics were up there, you know, it was like, it took about a week to film it. Different comics had arrive every day. And it didn't come into from studio. that? the studio. Well, that's the thing, you see. I was, I was getting a bit fed up because I'd done quite a bit of TV, but no one had kind of picked me up. You need someone to pick you up and say, look, would you fancy doing a game show? Then you're talking about becoming a millionaire overnight then. Yeah. With the money you get from the game shows... You know, to do kind of like uh, the points or the, kind of like, uh, I don't know, the thing that Les Dennis used to do. Um, I know what you mean, catchphrase. Catchphrase, all this stuff, but nobody ever approached me for whatever reason. No, he didn't do family fortunes. He did Family didn't fortunes. Yeah. I've got an idea why I was never approached. I think it was because reputation, although I was very clean on television, you couldn't swear, and I could wear clean around the clubs as well. I was getting a reputation as a blue comedian, so... I didn't even come into people's... That was like a stigma, thing. Stigma, stigmatised, yeah.
0: Um, so that's the last time before... Last but one, really. Last but one. And the last but one, I'll just fill you in a little bit from yeah. my end. This is when I've just come out of... Uni, I think I was about 20 maybe a little bit earlier so it was about 10 years ago 12 years ago I don't think it was as long as that you know about 7 8 years ago nah it was about that long I reckon yeah. anyway I get to this email we've talked about the Opportunity Knocks thing earlier yeah. just this I'd built a website for you Okay. got, got our mate Jacko to sort a of website out to, for you Chris Jackson yeah, yeah and, um, we always <laughs> sorry
1: have... Chris
0: Jackson <laughs> we have a running joke we say that to him every time we see him don't we I
1: know sorry
0: Chris Jackson woo
1: I am for Anyone real. remembers the song by Outkast? Sorry, Miss Jackson. We used to sing, sorry, Chris Jackson. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like just, uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, basically,
1: build this website,
0: get his email straight away. Hey, um, Frankie, we'd like you to come on the BBC as part of this Opportunity Knocks Revisited. Basically, I didn't have a fucking clue about any of this, so I phoned my dad and said, what's the scenario here? What do we do? Um, yeah. You told me about the whole Opportunity Knox thing. Basically, the BBC were putting on the one show anyone who'd won Opportunity Knox previously back on the BBC, which to be fair, at the time... Seemed a good idea. Seemed a great idea. I mean, BBC One exposure uh, based on the fact that you were just doing clubs and pubs, big I had the
1: suspicion it was gonna be horrible, and it was horrible in a way because people get mixed up. Anyone who's like 70, will remember yeah. Opportunity Knocks in the fucking 60s. I don't remember it. Yeah. But they revived Opportunity Knocks in 1987. But on the one show, they brought along people that were, were, were on Opportunity Knocks in the fucking 60s. Yeah. Like this band, Middle of the Road, that sang Chirpy, Chirpy, Cheep. All these groups and comedians that had been going in the 60s, they were bringing on <laughs> with me, that yeah. had appeared when I was like fucking young in 1987. So when I looked, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not going on here. We've just walked basically. It, it just looked like a crematorium. We got the train down to London.
0: We goes into this room and me and my dad, we went down together, gets picked up in a taxi, goes to the BBC studios, walked in and literally it was just, a, imagine a, like a room, imagine you walked into an old people's home.
1: It was just like a geriatric room. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. And I said to you, I'm not going on here. Yeah, not said me, he,
0: said, he said to me, you, basically, Ray Winston was on the show with that other guy out the office, Martin something. Ray um, Winston, was it Martin Kemp? Was it no not Martin Kemp, the guy out of uh, the office, I can't think of what his name is that you'll know who he they is. They were
1: judging what what the what the format was, what the actual headline of the show was, have they still got it? Oh yeah. So basically it was a people that appeared on Opportunity Knox twenty years ago, are they still any good? Or are they, are they, like, fucked up now? Have they lost it? Have they lost the time in? Have they lost the voice? Do they look too old? But as I say, they brought on people from the 60s and mixed them with the people from the fucking 90s, so it was horrible. Yeah. You know, so anyway... I had to pull the producer. Yeah. Ben, he's a nice lad, wasn't he? And I said,
0: listen, mate, my dad's just a little bit worried do you? is this a setup? Is this, like, taking the piss out of old people? Like, yeah. you know, and about how kind of, like, if... Yeah. In a commas, commerce it was old hat and he said, No mate, with the fucking BBC. We can't do that. Yeah, well like, we're, we're,
1: you know The only good thing was we got to meet Ray Winston, didn't we? And Ray, Ray Winston's fella. a lovely fella. You know, he's obviously an international actor. And uh but a great lad and he's a friend of John H. strace who's a mate of mine, he's an East End lad, dead down to earth, a lovely fella and uh great lad, uh, Ray Winston and I Chris, believe he was actually Chris Evans was a good boxer. proper sound as well. Chris Evans was fantastic. You know you get a shock with some of these people you you get an image of them on a television you might look at him and go i bet you he's a bit of a prick if you met him mm. he'd be big-headed but when we did uh the once show and i was telling me gags chris chris evans was trying to get me off because it was on for too long but i didn't give a fuck because i yeah. wanted people to remember me and ray winston and i knew ray through john h stracy you know he spoke to john on the phone i phoned john up and he spoke to john hello boy you know the way the east end lads talk to each yeah. other and just like two scousers talking to each other. So he liked me anyway, Ray, and he was going, you know, what did you think? Is Frankie still got it? And he was going, oh, yeah, he's brilliant, he's brilliant. So that gave me a bit of a lift. Again, sadly, didn't kind of, like, uh, do anything for me with regards to lifting my career. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway, I think that's the last time you were on TV, was it? So maybe, you know, maybe... Might, me, me and you might get our own TV show. You might get too, our own TV show.
1: And I know it's strange. All the times I went on television, never got anywhere. And um, a little phone like that, somebody film me in a tiny pub. And the next thing, you know, 20 million people are watching it and <laughs> fucking doing well. So it's strange, isn't it? Very strange. All good.
0: So look, we're going to kind of wrap up there. But let's first talk about big, big... Thing going on tonight everyone always asks us are you yeah. a red or a blue we had a lad from Ireland phone yeah, us on Monday well, he said boys boys first thing I've got to ask you are you a red or a blue so we're reds yeah.
1: we are the red men <laughs> we're the red men but we're not bitter you know towards Everton if Everton can catch up with Liverpool best of luck to them yeah and I don't think it'll be this year by the way <laughs> Liverpool are lifting the Premier League trophy tonight
0: first time I've ever seen Liverpool win the league in 30 years so made up
1: well, look, obviously I can remember when they won it in 91, you know, with uh, Kenny Dalglish was the manager, it was fantastic, and it's great for the city, I mean, we're the most successful club in history now in England, you know, we've got the, and it's weird, isn't it, because of the coronavirus, it's done us a favour in a way, because they haven't had the Champions League final, so they're Liverpool... still going to have it. no, yeah. yeah, I didn't say they're not having it, they're <laughs> yeah. having it. yeah. But they haven't had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, instead of Liverpool holding the Champions League, holding the European Cup for 12 months, yeah, we've been Champions League for 18 months. Yeah. So it's July now, and Liverpool are still the Champions of Europe. Yeah, it's true. Because the other two teams, whoever uh, it is... Ah, so you're saying when, by the time they lift
0: the trophy, which I think would have still been the case anyway, the Champions of, champions of England, Champions of Europe, all the rest of it.
1: Yeah, and... And, and world champions. World champions. So we've got the three Cups as we speak. Yeah. So what Liverpool have done, they've held, this is another the record that they've set that people don't realise, because of the virus, they've held the cup longer than anyone else. We will have held it for 18 months, nearly two years, when as normally you'd only hold it for a year. Yeah. Because of the virus. A uh, couple more things to
0: speak about. We've got a big show that we've just launched in Liverpool. We went down to see the venue yesterday. It's going to be in Stanley Park, Outside the Isle of Gladstone, it's a fully outdoor event. So it means you can social distance. So it means we can have fucking loads of people there basically without, you know, there being any issues or anyone well, worrying about coronavirus. And we went down to see it yesterday, what We went what down, you think?
1: we met Danny, one of the organizers and we had a look around where we're gonna actually perform. Mm. And there's a beautiful bandstand in the grounds. The, you know, the kind of like the ground that we're walking on is fantastic all tiled, There's graspy, it's lovely, beautiful location. And uh, I saw where all the seats are gonna be put. When I got on the stage area in the bandstand, I just jumped up and went straight away, just knew instinctively, we're gonna have a fantastic night there, it's gonna be great.
0: Yeah, so tickets are on sale for that, now make sure you get yours quickly because it's gonna sell out.
1: It's gonna sell out. And uh, and the thing is, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's like anyone out there who kind of like, if you're a doctor, You can look at someone and you can just look at them and go, yeah, oh, this guy's got diabetes. Or if you're a plasterer, you can walk into a room and go, yeah, look at this room. This is going to take me one and a half days to do. Mm. Or if you're a mechanic or whatever, you can even just listen to a car and you can go, is that has gone? Mm. It's like me. I've estimated I've been on the stage 7,000 times. Yeah. I've probably done more work than any other comic in the UK. So having said that, well, probably Roy Brown's done more than me, Chubby Brown, he's been going longer than me. He's probably, but I've done it 7,000 times anyway. I reckon I've worked it out. So I know instinctively just walking into a room, what it's going to be like, when I suss out the way that the things are logistically, when I saw the stage and where people are going to sit. It's going to be fucking fantastic.
0: You just thought of the boss. So look, tickets are out for that now. Anywhere else in the UK or anywhere else that you guys want us to come in the UK, please just let us know. And also, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, we've had a thousand downloads in a week. Big, big thank you to everyone. Make sure you give us a review on there. Because we want to know, you know, what do you what like do about you the podcast? What do you what reckon? What don't you like? Well, you know, we haven't got a clue. So if you want to see more of, you know, more of Frank's stories, if you want to do a Q&A, which we're going to do in the next couple of weeks, please just let us know what you would be after. And um, yeah, if you're not watching on YouTube or whatever, give us a big thumb up. Make sure you get yourself subscribed. And before we go, I just want to talk about the Manchester vlog that went out. Yeah. yesterday uh, available to view online on youtube absolutely flying in terms of views. so big big thank you to everyone who's watched that thanks
1: for everyone who watched it what do you think of it oh it's amazing and we've got young dave with us Davey Ford, the friend of ours and he is a real character <laughs> he's so funny he's so unintentionally funny very funny without realizing it and he features very heavily in it and uh james kilbo our support comedian jimmy's funny as well he can be funny and we had a great time at the bread shed we got waited on hand and foot with some lovely food, steak and ale pie, chips, gravy, peas, carrots, turnips. Fantastic night, And the audience were brilliant. One of the things, I've just got to tell you this, it's a strange thing, just to finish off, what we talked about earlier on about rivalry between different cities. Mm. There's rivalry between different areas and cities, isn't there? It's like in Liverpool, the south end of Liverpool, don't really like the north end of the city. Well, very different. Very different. Yeah. But do you remember when we'd done the bread shed in Manchester, some lads came into the dressing room and they were from oldham yeah i don't i don't know if i remember Go on. yeah and oldham's like about not really they're not technically in manchester but oh manchester. and they said
0: they're all fucking nuts in here aren't oh, they
1: what they were saying yeah when they came in the Manchester, the oldham lads were sitting up kind of like at a balcony area and the lads from ancoats which is in manchester and bezik which is in Manchester, were sitting downstairs. They were all together. And they're like real Manchester City lads. Mm. I don't mean the football club. I mean the city of Manchester. That's where they're from. It's like me being from Old Swan Kensington, very close to the city centre. They're city centre lads. But I didn't know at the time yeah. that the Oldham lads and the Bezik and Ancoats lads like the city centre, got a bit of rivalry. And the Oldham and Bolton lads looked down on them. Okay, And what they were shouting down was some fella said something why don't you sit down here lads and they went we don't want we, we don't want to sit there because we don't want to get a rash <laughs> see how it's funny weird. is that yeah. what they were saying is if you sit by someone from fucking handcoats yeah. you might catch gabies or something you know so it's weird
0: you get it in every city don't you but you know manchester you talked about you cutting your teeth in manchester over the years the video is actually titled You Scouse Bastard and the reason being Yeah, well the lads are
1: singing You Scouse Bastard, you know but uh, it's only a bit of fun it was only a laugh
0: they were great lads Brilliant, so yeah that's out now if you want to check that out another podcast will be out uh, next week we're going to give you these every single week now so big thanks to everyone who's been listening everyone who's been tuning in watching and uh, yeah, really appreciate all your feedback because as we've said we really, really appreciate everyone listening or watching but sometimes we'll sit down and go what the fuck should we talk about today?
1: But it just comes out. and when you think we've done this today, and it's very interesting, really, it's, I think it will come across as interesting. Oh, yeah, I hope
0: so, but look, if you want us to cover certain topics, if you want us to do you know, certain subjects, or you'd like Frank's take on anything, or myself, let us know, and we'll, uh,
1: we'll look that we'll up. We'll try and incorporate it into the hour. So thanks for listening, Susan. Big thanks to Will, who's got to be the UK's finest interviewer.
0: Appreciate that, yeah. If any any TV execs are watching, you know, you know who to get you on. Get a young, send, handsome
1: man You <laughs> should be presenting the fucking match, match of the day. You should be on.
0: <laughs> nice one. Big thanks to everyone for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.